0: Good morning, y'all, and welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. I'm your host, Cody Stoffer, and we have another edition of Requests. We got Requests Part 28 this week, and we're actually going to start back in Federal Way High School over in Washington. These are recommendations slash requests from Elijah Graham, once again, who, as you may know, requested Corey Quinn in an original episode. And then we also broke down Elijah Graham, who once played at Federal Way High School and then moved to Cherokee Trail. And now we're gonna be covering some of his other boys that he talked about in his interview. But starting off, we have Ronald Davis, the five foot 11, 185 pound defensive back out of Federal Way High School, who is an Eastern Washington University commit. And we'll start with strengths. So Ronald here is a very sticky defender when playing man on man. And um, doesn't get beat over the top in cover three, partially due to his speed. And, you know, the another one fact is that he moves his hips super fluidly. Um, and, and another great strength of Ronald Davis that, you know, we really appreciate here at Playmaker's Corner, and it consistently lines up with our best defensive backs, especially safeties and stuff, is that Ronald Davis you know, even like his, his buddy, Elijah Graham is very versatile. You know, he has film where he's obviously the outside cornerback and he's playing that cover three, or he's playing that man coverage, or maybe even a little bit of the flats and cover two, but he can also play slot corner where he plays that cover four kind of look, or just that man up kind of look at the slot. He's also an excellent blitzer and shows really good timing. You know, he kind of, he shows the ability to time it kind of like an outside linebacker who does it every game. But, you know, he obviously doesn't get the same amount of opportunities to blitz and still capitalizes off of them, gets hurries on the quarterback, gets pressures on the quarterback, and has chances to collect sacks on the quarterback from a slot corner blitzing position. In addition, he also has played safety in cover two and cover one, especially during his senior year more often than not is when you'll see some of his safety which is a surprise with the other names that we've talked about such as elijah who is a safety for them his junior year and then this other safety that i will be talking about coming up next but back to ronald here you know he also does a very good job of watching the quarterback's eyes and you know you could see an example of this very well when he is playing a cover three assignment you now he's following his his guy who's totally running a go route but he watches the quarterback size and the quarterback is going to throw this i want to say like five to eight yard out route and ronald comes up very hard and actually breaks up this pass that you know isn't even his assignment so due to his ability to watch the quarterback's eyes and also you know the fact that he has a very good plant on his back pedal to break back to the ball and either make tackles or break up hitch routes or come back routes occasionally or just stop the route in its tracks you know for the bare minimum amount of yards that it could possibly gain so he comes back to the ball super aggressively you know whenever presented with those situations and that's obviously a testament to his footwork in that kind of situation and not taking a false step when breaking towards the ball however i also think that it's a testament to his true speed which is listed at a 4.6 he might even be a little bit faster than that when breaking to the ball which is kind of huge because you know that opens up opportunities to play him in a variety of positions and when you have that kind of speed in the defensive secondary, like a four-five-eight kind of speed breaking to the ball and change of direction kind of guy, then you can ask him to do a lot more. And so Ronald Davis will get an opportunity to expand his, you know, coverage tree, I believe, coming up at Eastern Washington University, which, if you don't know, is in the Big Sky Conference of FCS football. But talking about some things that, ronald could improve on you know i want to see davis come up to make tackles and work on technique you know his his tackling does improve quite a bit i'd say from his junior to senior year however the sample size is significantly smaller i just want to point that out and you know his junior year the way that i had to put it is that he liked to hit but not tackle and so Whenever he was breaking towards the football, you know, he'd love to just run full speed into somebody and lower a shoulder, but that's not necessarily making a tackle sometimes. And you could, with that hit and not tackle, not wrap up and drive into the ground kind of quote technique, you can end up getting bounced off of by some bigger wide receivers or tight ends, especially, and they end up you know, not going down and then they score a touchdown because you've like flattened yourself on them. So don't tackle with your shoulder, tackle with your arms, wrap them up, drive them, bring them down is what is what I'd say, you know, from his junior year film, primarily, I know that his tackling did look pretty good his senior year, but let's just make that consistent and not fall in love with, you know, just lowering a shoulder for tackles anymore. I also think that Davis needs, 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 needs to reduce or eliminate his false steps when backpedaling. You know, when he starts his backpedal, he starts off with a hop, you know, of some kind where he like pops his feet out either wider or he pops his feet into another position. And it's like it should be his opening position for his feet to be where they need to be to push off and cover as much ground as possible when backpedaling. So I'd say, yeah, definitely work on footwork Work get those agility ladders going, work on that explosiveness, because you already break to the ball forward super well. I think you just need to break back off the ball a lot better. So, you know, that's your back pedals, that's pushing off and switching your hips to the side and just work on that explosiveness, you know, moving between going backwards, forward, side to side. Um, just work that over and over and over again. And I'd say just working on footwork in general for more balance and explosiveness, Um, you know kind of what i was saying so get one of those agility ladders i'd say for sure if you don't have one already and just rep the crap out of that thing especially going backwards especially 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 going backwards and then you know work it horizontally you know working side to side because the more that you can you know move on the football field the more useful you are not only in the pass game but also in the running game and i'd like to see you be able to You know, maybe intercept a screen pass sometime with the instincts that you have and watching the quarterback. But I think that in order to do that, you will need to improve your um, physicality as well as your footwork. And so talking about outlook, you know, obviously, Ronald Davis is Eastern Washington University commit. That is a D1 program at the FCS level. So congratulations to Davis here. You know, and I think that Davis also has pretty good size at five foot eleven, hundred and eighty-five pounds. He might even end up at six foot, depending on how much is left in his growth. And I do not mind 185 pounds for my cornerback. And I think that his versatility opens up a lot of doors for Davis at Eastern Washington to get playing time sooner than later. However, I do think with the extended, you know, eligibility for the seniors especially at some of these smaller schools where you know they're going to be milking their scholarship to the last day and they're going to be milking it till they get their degree kind of move or you know moving into a graduate type situation that Ronald Davis can more than afford a to have that red shirt freshman year and be you know just just enjoy the ride honestly and and so you know that's I do think that Ronald Davis at the bare minimum is probably a two-year starter at Eastern Washington University. I think he's way too athletic, and I think that, you know, the things that he does well, such as that cover three and that man coverage, are just too good to ignore for too long. So even if he gets a red shirt freshman year, I definitely think he gets into the rotation as a sophomore, whether that's at safety slot corner or outside corner. I especially see them being able to use him as a slot cornerback, you know, and milk kind of that versatility of blitzes and pass coverage and then you know as a junior and senior being able to just man up against their best guy or the opponent's best guy all over the field is in the cards for ronald davis so that's my outlook obviously wish nothing but the best for ronald davis and coming up next we're going to be talking about his teammate jatavius muggy hey y'all and welcome back to the playmakers corner podcast we are still in washington talking about jatavius mcgee the six foot 190 pound three-star safety out of federal way high school who is a san diego state commit who actually flipped his commitment from florida atlantic university so i'd love to be able to get the inside story on that and jatavius just like ronald before you and you know the other players coming up next You are all invited on to the show, uh, some with some stipulations, and you'll understand what I mean for the next player. However, Jatavius McGee, I will start with areas of improvement first. So there was not basically any man coverage on McGee's film. And, you know, I kind of want to see more diversity in his coverages. So I didn't see him do any man to man coverage, whether that was against tight ends in tight sets or you know against slots and you know spread out sets i like i'm not asking for him to cover outside guys but you know i just want to see more man coverage in general and see what kind of that hip fluidity looks like against you know more stem routes and double moves and and the works like that and and see how it holds up i also would like to see him do more uh, mid zone kind of coverages or see what it looks like when he has to work from you know 15 yards back you know into the flats kind of thing so i'm i'm curious to see what that looks like i'd also like to see what he looks like on the blitz and what is blitzing iq kind of looks like just you know just to know what kind of versatility i could get from jatavius mcgee because he does have so many tantalizing features on the things that he does do well that i'd love to be able to kind of swiss army knife him but you know, the, a lot of that is kind of unknowns is is the worst thing. And, you know, I also want to know, like, what his press coverage could be? And I think that, you know, as far as man coverage or press coverage, that he's strong and fast enough to do so. We just literally don't have the film on it. If he did do it, we the film for it doesn't exist. And if he didn't do it, then, well, we need the film to know what his capabilities in that section are. I also think that at the safety position, he doesn't quite bait QBs as much as he probably can or should. And, you know, he's definitely more of a reactionary kind of player, and his instincts are kind of raw. I, I definitely think that getting into the film room will be a huge thing for Jatavius McGee more and more and more, where he's kind of making the play before the play even plays out. Um, that's obviously a very high bar, but. I only say that because Jatavius McGee, combined with the athleticism that he possesses, could be omega oh dangerous, being able to, you know, diagnose plays based off of formations, based off of cadences and kind of what time of the game it is, and being a part of, you know, a huge play for for that defense. And, you know, but like creating plays rather than allowing plays to happen via you know, just his natural talent. So, but back to, you know, things that McGee does do well is that, well, it never hurts to be six foot two, 190 pounds. I tell you what, you know, he's, he's a little bit skinny and I think that he could fill out his frame a little bit more, but I'm not hilariously concerned about it. I'm not even super concerned about it because he just wins jump balls at the point of attack. He, you know, between being six foot two and between just being able to climb that invisible staircase and those strong arms that he has, which is another reason why I think he'd be excellent in press coverage. With those strong arms that he has, he just wrestles the ball away from wide receivers. And honestly, I don't think there's, there wasn't a single wide receiver that I thought even had a slight chance against McGee, you know, when watching his film, just because he is so tall, he is so athletic, he is so springy. know he's definitely one of the faster players that I think we've done a breakdown on he has incredible verticality and you know another thing is he does play sideline to sideline and you know I think that he plays the quarterback's eyes super well and you know that's another reason between his speed and athleticism why he's able to play the ball so well and why he's able to move across the field and rack up so many interceptions I don't have an exact stat right here but Watching his film, you know, he starts off with like three interceptions at the very beginning of just his junior year film. So that's not even to mention, you know, a couple more picks in this, you know, moved spring season so far um, with with Washington football. So I also think that, you know, his lateral movement, you know, I mentioned that Ronald Davis needs to work on this, but Jatavius McGee, does not need to work on his lateral movement. He moves side to side super well and he takes amazing angles to make plays. You know, there's there's one play specifically on the goal line where he makes a tackle on a running back on a pitch or stretch play at like the two-yard line, you know, from like the five going in, because he just does take those angles really well. He does read plays well as they're happening, as they're developing, and you know, being able to, he his reaction time is just so good that it does seem like he knows where the play is going when really he just reacts that well and that fast. I also think that, you know, he does have a solid power as far as, you know, hitting goes, and he does have some stopping power. There is one play where, you know, this quarterback throws this wide receiver into double coverage, and one of those double coverers is Jatavius McGee, who really just lights this kid up And, you know, I didn't see the kid get up following the play. So, you know, that's the kind of tenacity and viciousness that I wanted from a defensive player, especially my safety, to be able to just lay the wood and make receivers think twice about, you know, catching those slant routes or those in routes for sure. I also think, you know, speaking more on the technicality side, he's an excellent cover two or cover one safety. And, you know, like I said, he just reacts to plays super duper well. As an overall football player, he's also a very explosive returner who's, you know, a big play threat as a special teams player, whether returning punts or kickoffs. And, you know, he's also a big play threat at the wide receiver position. I wouldn't be surprised if San Diego State can kind of use Jatavius as a gadget player just from, you know, his speed to his lower body strength from jumping or just shutting tackles. There's just so many things that Jadavious can do for San Diego State and impact the game in so many ways. And that kind of brings me to my outlook. So I don't know what the story is from his flip commitment from Florida Atlantic University to San Diego State, Um, you know, or what his journey looks like as a three star recruit. But, you know, he is a dang good football player. And I say that there might even be chances for him to end up on the field. As a true freshman, and I wonder if maybe that has something to do with San Diego State. You know, that's that's an option for me, or, you know, maybe the fact that it's a bit closer to home, home being Washington, and Florida being on the actual other side of the country, both north to south and east to west. So that could be part of it. But I think that playing time might be a part of it, too. I think that he's going to get in sooner than maybe people expect, maybe not as a freshman, but definitely as a sophomore. And I honestly do think that he has three-year starting potential at the safety position. At the bare minimum, obviously, you know, like your one-to-two guy, but a three-year starter at the safety position is not far-fetched for Jatavius McGee at San Diego State at that level of Division I football. So, you know, obviously, with wish Jatavius nothing but the best and go ball out on that next level, man. And coming up next, we will be traveling back to Colorado for a very special surprise player. Hey, y'all, and welcome back to the Playmakers Corner podcast. We are back in Colorado talking about a middle schooler who actually has an offer to the University of Southern California if you know, you know, if you don't, his name is Micah Fleming. He is an A sixth grader heading into seventh grade at the defensive back slash wide receiver position. However, we are going to be talking about Fleming, the defensive back, because that is what his offer is to, And that is what, you know, the camps he has gone to all over the country support. So, you know, some things about Micah Fleming that Micah does very well is man he is super duper athletic incredibly fast and just one heck of an athlete you know there's Micah doesn't necessarily hold the height advantage against anyone that I've watched him play coverage against but that doesn't stop him from you know breaking up big passes down the sidelines or you know getting a hand up over the middle of the field and just being able to follow you know players that are either taller and bigger than him or even players that are older than him you know on that next level and being able to you know move his hips really well and just use his speed i'd say especially to his advantage he's very explosive his footwork is pretty a1 you know for for his age group and for the things that he's trying to accomplish i think that you know Fleming is a player that especially at this middle school level, you could ask to cover anybody and he's going to find a way to do it. You know, um, especially if you allow him to man up or play that cover three zone, kind of that, you know, no one's going to get behind me because a Micah, if someone does or has ever kind of got behind him, his recovery speed is super elite for his age group. And, you know, something that, and he kind of baits quarterbacks too from time to time into thinking that, their wide receiver could be open and, you know, then he just at that last second snaps and he makes the play and breaks up the pass. I also think that Micah, you know, is a pretty sound tackler from the film that I've seen. You know, he does a good job of aiming for the hips and wrapping up at the bare minimum. And that's all you can ask for, you know. I'd say that his technique and power will probably improve as his size increases, just in general, you know, to have more mass to be thrown at a player and to use that mass a bit more effectively and efficiently, I think is in the cards for Micah. But I'm not so worried about, I'm not gonna really talk about his height or weight, you know, as a sixth going into seventh grader because he A, he still has a lot of growing to do, and B, you know, his athleticism helps, you know, kind of it almost mask that, you know, difference that he has when facing off against other other wide receivers. So, you know, in conclusion great 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 footwork you know it, Micah's footwork is on par with high school players and even then it's still a lot higher you know it's in a very high percentile of players because you know he's just so dang good at it and he works on it and you know he has access to great coaching that allows him to work on it constantly against you know receivers that are bigger taller faster well I wouldn't say faster just because Micah's speed is easily his greatest asset and you know what makes him such a burner on offense and what makes him such a you know baiter on defense but some things that i do hope to see micah improve on before you know he gets more offers or before he becomes a trojan out there in uh, soco or socal i do want to see you know him have, have a couple more types of coverage and what i mean by that is i'd love to see him play some hook zones and cover two or some flat zones and cover two against like flood concepts specifically and see how his iq holds up against you know who who do i cover in this situation where the quarterbacks flowing out right and you know should i cover this 10 yard out by the tight end or this flats by the second tight end or by the slot receiver or by the fullback you know and figure out what his assignment is and how his athleticism holds up against situations like that where they're flooding at his zone, you know, and seeing what he does there or just seeing what he does in general in flats coverage and how he matches up in zone and if he has the patience to, you know, be able to play that kind of shallow zone and read the quarterback and flow with the other side of the field if he has to. So I'd also like to see if he can play cornerback at the slot, which I'm pretty sure that he can. But I want to see what he can do from there, what it looks like, how it impacts his footwork and then what he can do if you decide to send Mike on a blitz. Because I think that he's so fast that if you send a D end or like an outside linebacker at this at this tackle and then send Mike Fleming, he's almost guaranteed to get a sack because I just don't see how anyone is going to be able to have the necessary footwork and get off at the offensive line position out of middle school to block Fleming coming off the edge, you know, just free on on a backside blitz or something like that so I also do think okay so Micah Fleming is a wide receiver he does have hands he knows how to catch but when I was looking through his film especially like his past breakups film I do think that he does leave quite a few interceptions on the field because you know if you're going to jump up there and you know with the best of them and use those springs you might as well finish the play sometimes like okay not every time does he have access to but there are definitely two plays where I'd say that it was a jump ball situation where he actually had a chance and he didn't come down with it. So I'd say just working on those jump ball things and improving the strength of those hands, you know, um, whether you're kind of doing push-ups with your fingertips out, if that makes sense, or, you know, just those um, kind of like clamp things that you could push in on, just kind of standing around or whether you're doing homework, you could do it in one hand, or if you're reading or something, There's lots of work to be done in a lot of ways to improve that hand strength. And I think that that'll help out significantly for Micah's, you know, performance and for his stats, honestly, to pump those interception numbers up. Lastly, I do think that Fleming, you know, he obviously has to play a bit more physically, especially whenever he's going against some bigger competition to kind of be able to hang. However, there are some instances where I definitely think that, you know, uh, I'd say this is more so in his drill work where, you know, there are opportunities for refs to throw a flag. And so just like the less opportunities you give the ref to throw a flag, the less likely you are to get flagged. But, you know, just working on finding that perfect balance and figuring out what works for you and what works for the refs and stuff like that for Micah. And so talking about Outlook, obviously he already has an offer as a 13-year-old to a Power 5 Division 1 program. So, but there's... There's a lot that could happen because simon and i actually talked about this recently you know it's kind of like a usc thing to kind of do that it's kind of like a pr thing um and it it has a mixed track record for sure and you know it's it's up to micah whether to you know and and it's up to the situation and where he plays if that situation is possible to live up to because while, you know, this offer is big news, and it is because he's one of the best sixth slash seventh grade defensive backs in the country, it, it he can't get stagnant. And he has to keep working on it. And, you know, a, a growth spurt heading into high school definitely wouldn't hurt. But, you know, I there's just not enough to talk about where Mike is going to go, you know, at this moment in time, other than to say he has the resources to go division one. And I think that he has raw enough skill or, you know, enough raw skill, I should say to be able to make waves on that next level and to be able to make waves at the high school football level and potentially be an all state kind of player and, you know, gather up uh, national interest from schools like that is what I would say. But that's kind of all I have on Micah Fleming, the, sixth heading into seventh grade defensive back you know who plays for the colorado junior buffs might i add and you know catches passes from trent seaborn and you know we're going to end this episode with a senior in colorado coming up hello y'all and welcome back to the playmakers corner podcast I'm your host, Cody Stafford, and we're on our last segment talking about JT Axelrod the six foot 195 pound running back slash linebacker out of Legend High School who has accepted a preferred walk-on to Colorado State University. So I'll start with areas of improvement you know both as either a runner or as a linebacker. I personally think that he should be a linebacker on the next level however I think that he might have been recruited as a running back slash fullback but areas of improvement is at linebacker his footwork is atrocious is definitely a way to put it because he just starts plays with his feet super close together which means that a his his start is not explosive at all it's kind of a dud and b you know i think that you know he he has to take two steps to go anywhere from the beginning of a play and what i mean by that is you know he has to his first movement is spreading his feet apart and then adjusting and balancing them before taking off in any direction. So that may not sound like a lot, but you can lose up to a second on a play, you know, doing stuff like this. And I think it just starts with, you know, establishing an effective stance to operate out of and, you know, being able to push in or out or off or up, you know, of, of those feet and, you know, just, just, Yeah, that's kind of where there's a lot of footwork movement to be addressed for JT Axelrod. And I think, you know, obviously get an agility ladder if you can, get some tires if you can. I think tires will be better because that'll force you to spread your feet out quite a bit more. And just working on that stance, stand in that, you know, 90 degree knee bent, you know, square stance and being able to push off of that and kind of, you know, restarting, honestly, before working back into, you know, a stand up edger kind of blitz or edge blitzer kind of stance or, you know, um, your, your blitz stance, I think you start square here and you kind of start from the beginning and then work back up. I also think that, you know, the lateral movement, and I think that this is a testament to the footwork as well, is super raw and could definitely use some addressing. You know, just being able to move side to side, because once again, the feed spacing is really bad. And so being able to move side to side is really bad. I uh, also would get concerned in man coverage because the footwork gets so twisted up. If, you know, JT here got hit by a double move or like an out to in or an in to out. I don't have a lot of confidence that he's going to be able to close that gap and make a play in the same way that he does in other forms of pass coverage. And then I also think, you know, as far as his fullback running back kind of film that he needs to work on getting his elbows locked more inside when blocking, because when he does block, he does get his hands inside, but his elbows are like above the other player's shoulder pads or like, I don't know, just bringing those inside for more leverage and for more power heading into the next level is going to be super duper crucial. And then I'd say, you know, just like honestly workload, um, might be a small concern for me because you know connor ice was that star running back over there at legend high school and so jt was definitely more of a complimentary guy i'd say and you can see that kind of reflected in the stats and carries and touchdowns but talking about axelrod the pros of axelrod here obviously you know six foot 195 pounds it's a pretty good size for a linebacker i'd love for him to put on another 10 to 15 pounds but you know he has plenty of time to do that And as a tackler, he forces so many fumbles. I mean, his hand kind of reminds me of just a very strong magnet that gets sucked towards the ball and just punches the ball out. You know, he's phenomenal in that sense of just getting your hand on the ball and forcing fumbles, whether he's sacking quarterbacks, breaking up pass plays, tackling running backs, tackling, you know, ball carriers on screens. He, wherever you are on the field, you better hold on to that rock if JT Axelrod is coming your way because he just might force a fumble. And, you know, he was huge in getting some defensive touchdowns for this legend high school team. And, you know, just, yeah, honestly, being an absolute baller in that sense. And that's one reason why I really, really like the idea of him being a linebacker on the next level is just because of his great tackling ability and his ability to be a playmaker on the defensive side of the ball and force lots of turnovers but you know going going towards other parts of his game you know JT is a very sound tackler who you know he can make hits you know he loves making contacts and you know it, it's definitely a brand a part of his brand is just being able to really lay the wood And such an example is, you know, in the passing game, he is an asset because if somebody is catching a ball in his radius, especially in front of him, there's a very high chance that he's going to be able to pop the ball out just with a monster hit, you know, and using that kind of, he has a very good pre-tackle acceleration, I'd say, whether he's tackling people in the pass game or people in the run game. So, you know, I'm uh, definitely blown away with axrod's performance in the past game as a hitter but also you know he's competent as far as you know playing zone and i think you know simon and i talked about this on our top linebackers episode and if you haven't listened to that go ahead and give it a listen but being able to pass cover as a linebacker even at a barely sub proficient or proficient level is massive for colleges and so i think that you know csu and steve adazio might have someone here in jt axelrod who can help him out in the pass game and not have to come off on third down you know in those nickel formations in those dime formations and match up you know he's matched up against slot receivers before in zone coverage and he's held his own against them he's gotten some pass breakups and he's fairly athletic enough to you know break up passes that are above him or below him and make plays on the ball so i think that would be another reason why I'd love to have him at linebacker is just because, you know, his pass coverage skills, I think, are ready for the next level and can only improve. I also think that, you know, he has, you know, played a variety of pass coverages, whether it's a hook zone, a boundary zone, or a flat zone. So, you know, in in the zone coverage aspect of the pass game, he's very well versed, and I think that only makes him a better football player. As far as, you know... As a running back, you know, he runs super hard. He's not afraid to lower his shoulder and he hits holes very hard. Uh, His vision, he's able to wait for holes to develop. And when he sticks his foot in the dirt, you know, there's a chance that he might score a touchdown there, depending where you are on the field and, you know, just how many people he has to run through. But he's also fairly agile for his frame, I'd say. Um, He does look kind of square, if that makes any sense, but... He does push off those outside and inside foots, and he has pretty good cuts. But, you know, mainly the strength of his lower body is his biggest asset because there's one play in particular where he has like four guys on him, but he's just lower and he is just stronger at that uh, footwork level because he pushes all the way into the end zone and secures the bag. So, you know, he's a very strong player in his lower body, and, you know, that's his strength, whether he's hitting somebody on defense You know from a tackling perspective or whether he's hitting holes as a running back or whether he's blocking as a fullback you know i think he's a very good blocker on the offensive side of the ball and so one reason why csu has a preferred walk-on for jt axelrod is because there's just so many opportunities for jt to get on the field whether he's blocking as a special teams player blocking as a fullback running as a running back running as a fullback or playing linebacker he's just very versatile in all the things that you can ask him to do and he's very coachable And, you know, he's very intelligent. You could tell based off of how many things he's asked to do that he's super receptive to the game of football and that, you know, he has some good brains on him. So, and then talking about some other things that JT does well, he also has some tight end film or some slot back film where he runs a couple of routes. And, you know, he shows catching abilities is what I will say. I do think that he could catch with his hands a little bit more. But, you know, just showing Uh, that he can be left on the field in the passing game on second and third downs is, is a huge part of his versatility that I just talked about and him staying on the field and you know he's also like I said he's a great blocker who wins leverage consistently and he pops him real hard so talking about outlook here I so JT Axelrod is at CSU like I said and steve adazio has his thing going on over there they've gotten some good recruits these past couple years especially this class of 2021 and then you throw jt axelrod into the mix and so what i would say is that jt axelrod does get onto the field by his junior year whether that's a special teams return guy whether that's a punt blocker You know, either way, whether he's trying to block a punt or whether he's blocking for the punter, I think that he does get on just from his size, speed and ability to block somewhere on the field. You know, he's definitely an asset in the special teams realm of the field. And then it depends on what they want to do with him from there. If they want to put him at linebacker and they rep him at linebacker and, you know, they get him a little bit bigger and work on that footwork. I do think that he could be a rotational guy by his junior year. And then, you know, if they use him as a running back, just getting bigger, getting stronger and kind of being a change of pace guy, you know, he could get touches as soon as sophomore year, or if they put him at fullback, he could get, you know, snaps as soon as sophomore year. But I do think that best case scenario for JT Axelrod here is a one-year starter at any of those positions and, you know, just being patient, using your time and, you know, balling out will be the best way to get there. And yeah. Once again, I wish JT nothing but the best and obviously invite him on the show. He's more than welcome on the show. The only one that we kind of won't have on the show for an interview is Micah because we don't believe in kind of interviewing middle schoolers to the same extent, but we could figure out a way to get him involved onto the show. But that does it for this episode of Playmakers Corner Podcast. Please make sure to, you know, click that uh, follow button. On either Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, you know, and make sure that you're subscribed to us so you always get our notifications. We have episodes on Mondays, which is Simon's request episodes, Wednesdays, which is my request episodes, and our regular episodes on Fridays, which as of late have been primarily interviews. So go ahead and check those out. Check out our last few episodes that include, you know, interviews with Sean Kidd, Anthony Tokini, Wilson Clark, Arden Walker, and we will have more interviews coming out for you. Just stay tuned on who that may be, and as well, you know, occasional breakdowns and film requests and stuff like that that the two of us will do. But if you have already followed us on our podcast sites, then go ahead and find us on social media, whether that's at Playmaker Corner on Twitter or Playmaker's Corner on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, where we try and upload daily. So, you know, thank you so much for following all of our social medias. I've been your host, Cody Soffer, and later.